Welcome, everybody. We're so glad to have you back to the First Baptist Church Young Adults podcast. This is week two, or I guess week three of our Straight Out of Context series. Week two of, of a verse that we're diving into. We did week one was our intro topic. I'm John Lemons, our minister in Young Adults here, joined like I am every week by Sam Maxwell, our resident minister to Young Adults. And special guest today, Reverend Chad Poe, one of my best buds and all of life, a also a, a peer, but also a mentor that I look up to. And uh, I sure he, I'm sure he would say the same to me uh, or of me. So, Chad, so good to have you with us today, buddy. No, it's good to be here. I would say parts of that. Yeah. <laughs> Mentor, maybe not fear. No, it is good to be here. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. So give us, for people out there who may not know who you are, um, or maybe they, they do know who you are and they just don't know it yet, give us your, your two-minute life story and uh, we'll help try to connect some dots for some people that may make it to, may know you. Awesome. I, I grew up in Chattanooga. That, that's home, a uh, place that I love. Went to seminary in 2000. Uh, I'd done an undergraduate in education at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Uh, I lived there. Uh, actually, my, gr- my grandmother was my roommate while I was in college. Mm-hmm. If I had ever taught her to play NBA Jam or Mortal Kombat, we would have really had an uptick in our relationship, but it was an A. <laughs> Uh, regardless. Um, but when I finished college, I f- had this sense of vocational calling. I uh, went to seminary. Uh, if I've ever said anything about seminary that resonates is that I don't believe that seminary gives you tools. I think it teaches you to use your tool belt. And it really did help me out to figure out processing communication and, and preaching and working through scriptures. Uh, so from there, I graduated seminary. Uh, I squeezed three years of seminary into three and a half years. I've <laughs> Regularly, I tell people uh, seminary was my college experience. It's probably a good thing. I'm not sure that my college experience needed to take place when I was actually the age of a college student. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, from that, started traveling, speaking here, there, and everywhere. Initially, just doing events for students. I still do a lot of events for students, but I would go for anything. Uh, you know, do you want to pay me in pizza? Sure. Do you have crackers to give me on my way home? Absolutely. Uh, women's prayer breakfast? No problem. Bar mitzvah? Sure. Why not? So I was always talking at something. Uh, from then, uh, started doing camps and conferences. Been a huge part of my life. Uh, took position in Chattanooga where I met John in 2007. And there I was a youth associate because I didn't want to be the middle school pastor. I just wanted to talk. And they said, we well, can make a place for you. From that, I became the interim pastor of the church at one point. We started a service together. There were a lot of moving parts that I'm still look at in retrospect and think, what the heck happened? You had to wear but, a suit and tie every week. Yeah, I had to wear a suit and tie every week. It was something. I don't wear said suit and tie <laughs> as much anymore. Do you even have a suit? You have a suit and tie to do like funerals and stuff. I, I have like two to three suits and ties, but, yeah. you know, I don't, um, they're a little big for me now, so I don't wear them as much. Yeah. And you are now, and so so we knew each other in Chattanooga. I was there for 11 years. Uh, so two, three years into my tenure there is when we got to know each other. Mm-hmm. And then you went from there to Houston area shortly right. after I came here. And We're been, south of Houston by about 45 minutes uh, in an engineering community, Lake Jackson. Yeah, and, yeah. We know a little bit about engineering con- communities. Yeah, man. It's a different <laughs> kind of engineering. Uh, we're chemical, lots of chemical plants. Uh, they're open 24-7. Yeah. It's a unique ministry God's given us here uh, just to reach out to guys who work all the time and their families. And it's, it's great. Uh, we have good opportunities. 
But yeah, yeah I've been here for, pro- this is actually my fourth, my four year anniversary this Sunday. Awesome, dude. I didn't know that. That's, that's, yeah, that's for sure. Great. Well, dude, it's so good to have you on. As you said, we've been friends for years. Uh, so do you have like a favorite John Lemons and Chad Post story that, that you, you care to share before? I don't know. I should, I might regret that I asked this. So John and I, at that church in Chattanooga, our, we were really heavy senior adults. And there were people who were connected to the church from all over. So we would periodically be assigned to go to funerals. Oh, and John and myself and Kevin were assigned. Kevin was our senior adult pastor. We were assigned to go well, to a funeral. He was our age, by the way. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. our age. <laughs> yeah. And we were assigned to go to a funeral of a friend of a friend of a friend of a church member. But we were going to go and no one knew the person. <laughs> so all three of us show up and we had a plan of attack that I felt pretty good about <laughs> in retrospect. It may not have been great, but you know, they have the guest book and there's usually a picture. And I thought to myself, okay, we'll find a picture of the person with their family and we'll just do association in that way. Well, there was no picture. So we walk into the main room and in the main room, there is a television screen. And again, plan two was find a picture of the person and find a picture of someone else who's in here. We know we'll be able to find the person who passed away because they're at the front of the room and find a picture of the person. We wanted to find the family because we didn't, we had no idea what the family looked like. If we could so find the aunt like, or the uncle or the daughter, but all and three the room of us, was full of people. The room you know, was full there of were people. 75 people in that room. Yeah. And, you know, funeral rooms are 75 people. Thank goodness there was no COVID spreading at that time. Yeah, point. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a parlor. It was a very, it was not a big room. For I don't like to use the word parlor there. <laughs> but we're standing there and the screen, we watch for like 12 seconds and it freezes. And when it froze, John and myself and Kevin also froze and we began to snicker and we had to go out into the hallway to recompose ourselves. And it was. Wow. Even now, thinking about it, I, I have flashbacks to being far too childish to be paid by church. Mm. Yeah. Well, and what made it worse was it was it was it was a child. It was an adult child, but it was someone's child. But yeah, we I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. And like Chad said, we just wanted a picture of a family member just so we could know who to talk to. And it was just Murphy's Law. I mean, we couldn't. And this was before everybody had, you know, Internet on their phones where we could look up. Google or there was or, nothing to look up. Yeah, we right. were we were working with our points of reference, and I thought we had a good plan. We did we we, until the screen froze. Until yeah. the screen froze. Yeah, there was also the time though, for whatever reason, my John's wife and my wife had a conversation about a yard sale. Oh gosh, and I hate yard sales anyway because you do sixty four hours of work for thirty seven dollars and twenty four cents. Yeah, but we thought. We would do it at my house because I had a, a heavier traffic area. And we, John and I, at the time, we had little kids and we're like, you just spend the night here. Yeah. It was chaos. We did eat crystal at about 1245 in the morning. We, I think we ate it later than that because we were up till 3 a.m. like putting stickers on stuff. Oh, that, yeah. Never <laughs> again. I told my wife, never again. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just throw it away. Yeah. So, and occasionally, uh, Chad's Chad's wife would go out of town, and he'd invite a couple of us over to play video games and eat pizza, mm-hmm. which, you know, 32-year-old men, you know, doing that is, you know, that's that's one of those college things that, you, that you're talking about. So, you got to carry over. Yeah. All good stories. So, one of my favorites is, uh, uh, so Chad travels around, and um, 
you know, I'm sure you still do this, although you probably fly more often now than than driving. Um, but when you were in Chattanooga, it was, it was a lot easier to drive places um, than being in South Texas. But uh, so Chad would get drivers to drive him so he could work on his messages while 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 we were going. And so we went uh, to Mississippi one time, and that was actually my first encounter with Huntsville because Chad asked me to drive him to Mississippi, and he was like, hey, we, we have to pass through Huntsville, and there's this great Mexican restaurant there we need to stop at. And so we actually went to Rosie's. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get, yeah, out in uh, on 72. Um, so that was way, that was my first introduction to Huntsville. And then there's a whole story with the Mississippi church that we'll tell another time. But uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite memories for sure. Uh, and it just happens to include Huntsville, Alabama. So. We probably ate Long John Silver's on that trip too. Because we John probably did because we, we're the last two people who love it. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. That's a, My kids joke. asked me the other day, Sam, they said, do you still like to eat that weird Johnny D's place? They got Captain D's and Long John Silver's. <laughs> Mixed nice. up. Mm-hmm. Nice. They have not been raised right, Chad. I failed. So, I failed them. They like Domino's better than they like Pizza Hut. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'll worry about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do so, you, Sam? What's your preferred pizza place, Sam? Uh, it, you know, it, it moves around a whole lot. We have a real great place in town um, called Earth and Stone, and they do like a yeah. Neapolitan pizza, and that's so good. But if we're talking chains, um, it's either Papa John's or Pizza Hut. Yeah, I'm a Pizza Hut man. It'll, yeah, as far as local pizza pizza places go, there's a place in Chattanooga that's just the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is. It, Earth and Stone's probably the closest thing we have to that. But it, Loopy's in Chattanooga is so mm-hmm. good. Everybody who works there looks like Shaggy Doo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's so awesome. Chad, I'm, I'm loving having you on the on the program today. And the reason I invite you is because we're going to talk about Philippians chapter 4.13, one of the most overused and misinterpreted verses in the Bible. I think we all can agree right up there with Jeremiah 29.11, which we talked about last mm-hmm. week. So, um, Chad, I've heard you teach on this uh, before, and, and you always tell uh, one of my more favorite stories on this about uh, your encounter. Um, I guess, were you in middle school? You know, I... I have encountered the power team numerous times in my life. (laughs) If you are unfamiliar with the power team, they really did come together. It was, it it was very similar to, okay, let's imagine that we have some stunt men who are the size of professional wrestlers and have the haircuts. I don't even know what to compare their haircuts to, but we're talking flat tops (laughs) with moulets flowing from the back, massive men. And, wearing Zubaz pants. Do you remember Zubaz pants? Oh they gosh. were these stylish baggy pants that people who were in that uh, era like to wear. And breaking breaking everything. It really just it came down to breaking. They broke more things than uh, Henry Cavill did in Man of Steel. <laughs> and <laughs> shattering ice and breaking chains like, mm-hmm. uh, like Tasha Cobb taught us to. They were always breaking stuff. Now I remember being bending pipes, bending pipes. Now, yes, I, there was one where a guy stood on the top of a ladder, and they had numerous um, levels and layers of two by fours and two by, and he would just dive down and like chop through them with his elbow. Anyway, whenever I think about Philippians chapter four, my interactions with the power team uh, comes to mind, and my interactions—it's not like I arm wrestled them. I sat in the stands, probably paid a can good to get in. <laughs> And I watched men rip phone books in half. 
whenever we read Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, whenever that verse is referenced, it's usually tied to that type of strength and that type of power. Uh, if you've ever looked around uh, a locker room of a Christian school, uh, there's a chance that there's Philippians 4.13 somewhere. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. chance that you've seen Philippians 4.13 tattooed across someone's abs. Uh, it, it is a popular verse to use. In, uh, abs are so cool. I wish I had some. I would like to have just one. But the Philippians 4.13 is this passage that we really use to talk about strength, and that's not what the Bible is talking about whenever you read the, the verse. It's talking about something altogether different, and we can use it for FCAs, but we're probably going to frustrate a lot of FCA leadership when we say this verse isn't about the fact that your kid can um, bench press this or, or outrun that. It's, it's about something different. It's about endurance. Uh, you know, you read through it. Um, when you go into Philippians 4 and you can see there's the, the version of it that we all recognize from the King James Version. Like that's the one that people recognize the quickest. Mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's King Jimmy English. Um, Peterson in the message, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. NIV, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. King, uh, The Kingdom New Testament says I have strength for everything in the one who gives me power. Uh, and somehow, somewhere, we made this passage about less than it, what it's actually about. We've made it trite um, because, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you have, a, if you're listening to a church podcast from First Baptist Huntsville, at some point in your life, you've heard uh, the story of Paul. He's in prison during this passage. And the whole mm-hmm. thing's not about him bench pressing. It's about him enduring what he's going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well said. And uh, I, I resonate with that very much. Uh, and it, I, I don't know that it's even, I think definitely, Chad, guys my age and your age, going up uh, through youth group in the 90s, um, probably encountered it in those ways. But I don't even think it's limited to our generation. I think probably Sam, Sam's 10 years younger than me. So I, I think even it's mm-hmm. a part of, uh, you know, what, what he would, he's encountered too. Um, yeah. Back in the early, back around the time we met Chad, um, the most popular college athlete was Tim Tebow and he was known for having Philippians 413 on his eye black uh, at his you know at his Florida Gator games and he won the Heisman Trophy won national championships so mm-hmm. it it became equated with um, Jesus sort of being like this magic genie that gives you the ability power. to yeah, yeah to perform magic feats or whatever yeah. and it's not about that and it is often used uh, I've seen it a lot from FCA and not to knock the FCA um, but it, it is very much the athletic realm I've seen it used uh, a lot um, well there's an attempt to make a corollary and there's an attempt to build a bridge mm-hmm. but rather than building a bridge when we don't give context to the passage we create an obstruction that and we m- make it as if your spirituality gives you physical strength. Um, you know, and Tebow, to his credit, that wasn't the only verse he had on his eye black. That was just one. That he right, right, right. It was right. a rotation, but the one that we are the most familiar with because he was playing football, uh, you know, it was that one. Uh, if, if he had been offering up his son as a love sacrifice for the world, and that's why we knew who he was, we would probably recognize John 3.16 the most. But he, uh, you know, with Philippians 4.13, it became this iconic tie to him. But, you know, you, you've got Paul and he's in prison and he is letting people know who he is and what he's been through. So mm-hmm. you, you see this text, all of it builds out of what's taking place in the rest of Philippians, right? Mm-hmm. You read through right, it right. and you see that 
he is referencing the fact that Jesus is Lord. That's why he's in prison. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not in prison for doing good things, though good things matter. He's, in, he's not in prison for telling people how to get to heaven when they die. He's not, he's not in prison for feeding poor people. He's not in prison for any of those things. The reason he's in prison is he has spat in the face of Rome, which based everything about, around the idea that Caesar was Lord. And he has said, that's untrue. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. untrue. And he's now enduring hardship and difficulty in a prison, chained to a guard day and night, because he says your system and your structure is altogether untrue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, all good. All good thoughts. Sam, you have any thoughts or insights there? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I think there is a power to be able to use some of these verses, right? Because even growing up in the church, we really want young people and just people in general uh, to really take on verses and keep them in their hearts so that you can pull them out for times where you might be having a hardship. But much like we talked about, and much like you said, Chad, like the hardship isn't like we're on a football field or we need to make three points in 2.3 seconds or else we're going to lose the final four. It's, you know, something is going on difficulty. There is a there's a significant difficulty in life that is beyond some sort of athletic uh, premise. So all to say, I don't think we can just throw it away and be like this. There's no value in understanding this. But like you said, if, if we don't understand it correctly within the context, then we create an obstruction and we move people even further away from the true meaning. Yeah. And if you've created a false dichotomy of understanding the passage, then you make God ultimately into a liar because what happens when you miss the three-pointer? Mm-hmm. What happens when you get tackled on the three-yard line? Yeah. If the passage is supposed to be about me be, being able to do all of those things, mm-hmm. then that's untrue. Right. The, the all things, the all in that passage is pretty interesting because it's it's a term that is inclusive. If we were to even talk right now about this podcast and I said, all of us are here, well, they're, they're the three of us. And I'm referencing that. But there are people who are going to listen to this podcast that aren't part of that all right now. Right. They're contributing to this podcast. They're, they may be listeners, but they're, they're not part of this all. And Paul mm-hmm. has a very specific thing in mind when he's talking about the, the certain all he's referencing in this text. His all is, can I be chained to this Roman guard? Sure. I can do this because um, Jesus gives me strength. Mm-hmm. Can I, you know, wait for Epaphroditus and wait for Timothy to care for me? Of, of course I can, because I can do all things because Christ is the one who gives me strength. Mm-hmm. All of these things. I, can I be? A, can I shine like a light in the world? Well, of course I can, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Can I do this? Can I be chained to this guard? Because can I be chained to this guard without grumbling and disputing? Well, yeah, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he's dealing with this church at Philippi who doesn't have the same circumstance that he's dealing with that has proven itself to be a little bit complicated. There's a big fight in the church, if I'm not mistaken. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Two two ladies in Philippians 4, too. They've caused all types of disturbance in, in the church at Philippi. And Paul's course correcting that. I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength, which really does wrap them into, well, you can do this too. Like we we can get through this because Christ strengthens us too. Right. No, that's a great point. And I love that you, you talk about that. All is, is limited in scope into in what he's referring to here. And one of the things, if we can go back to a few weeks ago, when we talked to Dr. Still, one of the things he said was um, to remember that what, uh, I, I'm going to mess this up, I know, but basically what um, 
the writer could not have intended and what the audience could not have understood cannot be what the verse means. So in other words, the writer was not, he didn't know, Paul didn't know what touchdowns were. The audience would have not understood what touchdowns were. So it can't be about touchdowns. Um, so in, in this particular instance, then what, what Chad is getting at, um, that all is very limited in, in, in what Paul is talking about there. Now, like we said last week, can this apply to my life? Can I see parallels to what Paul's going through and apply it to my life that way? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and one of the things, uh, I'll just reiterate again, just sort of my four rules of, of interpretation. Anytime you're looking at a passage like this where you think it may be taken out of context or you're trying to wonder like, you know, what what is this really getting at or what can it really mean? Does it look like what it means on the surface or does it look like what it means on this sign or this keychain or this coffee cup or whatever? And the first one is how does it apply to the life of Jesus, um, you know, so, or, or, or even to the life of the writer, which we're doing now with Paul. Um, another thing to keep in mind is, do you see only one translation that's used whenever you see it plastered on a keychain or on a coffee cup or whatever? Um, that's normally the problem with like a Jeremiah 40, uh, 29, 11. And, and you'll see that with this one too. Um, typically we, we hear this as I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, there's actually, I think that's the old NIV, um, but there's a there was an updated version of the NIV, which actually is different now. And it says, uh, the modern NIV says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You never see that plastered on a keychain, this particular version, because it doesn't make as much sense. Uh, when when Paul says all this, it's it's a very clear indicator that there's something else that's going on, something else that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a, in a moment. Um, the other the other uh, two things. Well, we that don't I want say the context. That, we don't want the context of the Bible. We want the context of our situation. That's that, true. That's yeah. what we want. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. And and I think that's that's how we get into this trap, which, like you said, ultimately makes God a liar because mm-hmm. it, it's not going to deliver for us the way we think it, it will because it's it wasn't intended to. And, um, and even beyond making God a liar, I think it just cheapens like the faith journey that we're asked to undertake when we choose to let Jesus be the leaders of our life and follow after him, right? If our entire faith journey is, well, following God means that I'm going to have good things and good things are going to happen, then we're really not following the teacher. Um, you know, I think Paul here is, like you mentioned, Chad, he's in prison. Things have been really hard. He's been preaching the gospel. He's been speaking truth to power. Um, and so now he's suffering for it, and he even has this consideration of, well, you know, all things will be so much better in heaven, but perhaps maybe I'm still meant to be here and to persevere, and it's going to be tough because this is tough right now, but I know that God will give me the strength to persevere in faith through the difficulties that I'm facing. Well, even when you read through, John, did I let you give your four spiritual laws or whatever you were giving a minute ago? For <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, it's all right. Uh, number three was what does it mean to original hearers? We talked about that. And then number four, interpret the Bible with the Bible, which we'll get into here in a moment. But go ahead, Chad. Well, no, whenever you're talking about Paul's circumstance at this point, again, all of it does tie back to his declaration of Jesus being Lord because they had a Lord. So Virgil, when he, right. when he was talking about this passage, and he was talking about Caesar Augustus. These are the things that he had to say about Caesar. And all these are going to really sound culturally um, or contextually relevant to the Christian, right? But we they weren't relevant in the day of Paul because Paul was taking their language to speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was said about Augustus. The one who is to come will be the divine king of salvation for whom mankind has waited. Uh, the one who is to come will annihilate the evil of the past and free the people from unceasing fear. 
the one who is to come will establish a universal empire. Listen, will establish a universal empire of peace and will lead in a golden age for blessing of a renewed humanity. Of Caesar, it was said that he is the son of God. It was said of Caesar that salvation is to be found in no one else other than Augustus. Augustus is reigning in the fullness of his glory. The entire empire resounds with the sound of the Advent proclamation. All of these things Paul was saying no to. Their whole system of living in light of the Pax Romana, Paul said no. And he said, I can say these things about the lordship of Jesus because he gives me the strength to do so, even though it's going to lead to difficulty and persecution. It's, it's a pretty thick text that, uh, you know, we probably don't need to boil down to a tattoo. <laughs> right. No, and, and getting at what you were talking about earlier, if you go back to uh, verse 10, 11, and 12 of Philippians 4, uh, he's he's talking to them and he gives a little bit more context to what he's talking about here. Honestly, the whole letter is the context of what he's talking about in verse 13. But uh, in verse 10, he says, uh, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. And that's when he gets into saying, I can do all this through Christ mm -hmm. who strengthens me. So no matter what my circumstance is, I can do that through Christ who strengthens me. And I think, honestly, if we if we look at the historical situation for the church at Philippi, it was started in Acts chapter 16. It was, uh, for all intents and purposes, the first uh, community of, of Christian believers on the continent of Europe. It was as a result of Paul's missionary journeys. They go out, and, and the first converts were uh, Lydia, who was a, um, a a dealer in purple cloth, which just means she was probably a wealthy, successful businesswoman. Mm -hmm. There was the Philippian jailer um, who uh, Paul was imprisoned in Philippi. So, A, they're going to have a context um, that they can relate to with Paul being in prison again now. Um, and correct me, is he in Rome? He's in Rome when he's writing this, yeah, right? Yeah, so they're going to have that context to go by. There also was a former, um, there was a, a, a girl that was a slave that um, Paul had uh, cast, uh, she, she was demon possessed. He'd cast the demons out. Um, so you have just because, a, just because she was annoying him. <laughs> right, that's right. why he cast the demons out. Right. And it started a riot because, which is why he got put in jail. It started a riot um, because the, 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 the people that owned her uh, made a lot of money off of her uh, being a demon possessed slave and being a fortune teller through that. So your first three members of this church are a, uh, a wealthy businesswoman who may not be wealthy for very much longer because she now has given her uh, life and her commitment to Jesus, a um, probably about to be unemployed jailer and a former slave who used to be uh, demon-possessed and made a lot of money doing that and is not doing that anymore. So quickly, um, by the time Paul is writing this letter, what we do know of the church in Philippi is they are experiencing hardship as well. Um, and probably as a result of circumstances, much like what we see here, um, they probably were not welcome in their community as followers of Jesus. And again, this is a, as we talked about, uh, in week one, when you're reading these letters of Paul, you're, you're reading someone's mail. And so there is a particular context that he is writing to. There are particular people that he is writing to, um, but yes, we can look at it and see parallels to our lives and how 
uh, it can apply to our lives. So he's talking to them. If, if you go back in chapter one, he's talking to them about his circumstances and how he is in prison now, um, just like he was when he was in Philippi. And he's saying, but this has served to advance the gospel. And then he goes in to tell them how, and he, in verse two, or in chapter two, he gives one of the most popular, uh, I think, passages in all the New Testament, uh, definitely in, in Philippians. But he says in verse five of chapter two, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or something to be used to his own advantage. But he made himself nothing and took the very nature of a servant and was made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. So to me, that is really the anchor that Paul is kind of throwing in the water here, that he wants everything else to to settle around. Um, where he's telling them, in your relationships, be like Jesus, who was willing to uh, submit, willing to be humbled for the purposes of glorifying the God, of glorifying God the Father. And, and Paul, in saying that I'm in prison, but it has advanced the gospel, is saying like, hey, I've done this. And then he goes in chapters three and four, and he's talking about um, Epaphroditus and Timothy and some of the hardships that they've experienced serving him and serving the people of Philippi. And basically, in my view, what he's saying is, hey, Epaphroditus and Tim Timothy, like they've done this. They've exemplified Jesus in this way. They've lived this out and that I've that I've asked you to do in Philippians chapter two. Then he goes on to talk about some of his hardships, which we read a little bit about. And in my view, it's him saying, like, hey, I've done this too. And then he goes to talking about the circumstance that you're talking about, Chad, with uh with the two women that were having disagreements that he he leads to in chapter four. And he also alludes in chapter four to the support that the church has given him in the past as a way of saying, hey, you all have done this in the past as well, so just to keep doing it. So to me, like when he when he's talking about in 4.13, I can do this through Christ who gives me the strength, what he's saying is I have, I have lived like this. I've lived like what I'm asking you to do in Philippians chapter two. Um, I've done this and I've done this because Jesus has enabled me to do it. And you know what? Timothy has done it as well. Epaphroditus has done it as well. And even you have done it in the past and keep on doing it and keep on holding on and keep on hanging in there, um, being content in all circumstances and, and advancing the gospel in all circumstances because Jesus will give you the, the power to do that. So to me, that's really what uh, he's trying to say here. And it all anchors around what he's saying in chapter two, um, where he says, have the same mindset and attitude as the Lord Jesus. And he gives, he gives that famous passage in, in chapter two. Uh, Wait, so yeah. Sam, do you have thoughts about this passage? Uh, no, I mean, I agree. Um, you don't, you don't have any thoughts about this passage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but, uh, I, I agree with you, John, and I think just to, to go further, one of the things I really appreciate in chapter three of Philippians, which I think sheds a lot of light into chapter four, is I press onward to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God, of God in Jesus Christ. Um, not that he has attained it, but that is something that he's still pursuing after. Um, so much to what you were saying, it's pressing through, persevering through in the, uh, the power and comfort of Christ through difficult circumstances or whatever you might be doing. Um, 
because of the gospel, because of the relationship with God or, you know, something along those lines. So Chad, let me ask you, um, how would this relate to the average listener today? You know, so, so how would this relate, uh, in contemporary times? Um, not in the sense of athletics, um, or feats of strength, but in the past year that we've all experienced, um, going through COVID hardships. Some people have had health issues. Some people have lost jobs and and that kind of thing. How do you think this passage, I think, how do you think this passage speaks more powerfully to a situation like that? I don't know. Um, I'm I'm sure you guys have CrossFit gym in your area with lots of people wearing Reebok. But whenever you have uh, CrossFit, one of their, their primary conversation pieces is uh, they don't really want you to get to look like a bodybuilder is it, they wrap everything around functional fitness and that is about endurance it, it's teaching people to endure and i believe that because paul is speaking my, all the people that paul was with they weren't in all the people that paul's writing to rather they're not in prison but he's using this to say exactly where you are i want you to learn to endure there endure the difficulty there philippians in a counter who are living as countercultural examples of the gospel in Rome, you can endure that. You can get through that. And I believe to, to us, it would be the same. Like we, as believers in Jesus, as we're watching as a way, the, the way the world seems to be responding to various topics, whatever they are, how do I endure as someone who's going to lift the light, who's going to display the light of Jesus where I happen to be? And I know there'll be times where it frustrates me that people don't agree with me, but I can do this because Christ gives me strength. And there are times that I think that it, it it speaks into if you're walking beside a sick loved one who's been who's sick for years and maybe even to the point of it being terminal, there will be days where you don't feel like you can do this. But as a follower of Jesus, he says, you can do this because I'm going I'm going to be there with you, helping you to endure this. It's the idea of withness that we see in this passage. I mean, yeah. He is ex- he is acknowledging not to go all footprints in the sand with you. <laughs> but he is acknowledging the the witness of of Christ for his people in whatever situation they happen to be in. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's well said. And I think too, we live in a time where, you know, we don't say Caesar is Lord, we don't say Caesar is, is our salvation. But I think in our particular culture, our culture says um consumerism is Lord or consumerism is is our savior. And I don't think we all would readily acknowledge that, but I think we all can relate to just the constant bombardment in uh, advertising or, or even I think maybe even our, in our own brains that if I just have that next thing, then life will be great. If I just have that that job promotion or that job change or if I just get married or if I just had that car or that house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think our culture is proclaiming that as Lord. And I think what you what you talked about with, with Paul basically encouraging his people to to live where they are, to endure where they are, to be content where they are and to do that. Mm-hmm to the glory of God, to the glory and spread of his kingdom and um, through Christ that gives them the strength to do that. So good thoughts, man. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I'm so glad we had you on the podcast today, Chad. It was fun for me. Uh, we should do this more often. It's uh, it's good to reconnect with you. Uh, you know, we text all the time, but we don't we don't talk as much. So uh, and it's been forever since I've seen you, man. Well, I actually, I have your picture in my office. I look at it regularly. <laughs> Nice, nice. Uh, well, hey, tell me or tell tell our listeners where they could find more of Chad Poe because I know you've got a podcast as well. 
Yeah, you know, I podcast. I'm, I have a, a website and things like that. But also, I do a podcast called The Hold On Podcast. Really, it's about a 20-25 minute podcast every week. Uh, just bantering back and forth with a friend about uh, a topic. So, we have um, and uh, my church, Grace Bible Church of Brazil Support, we have, you know, um, weekly teachings are there. So, it's fun. Awesome, man. Well, so glad you were with us today. Uh, we'll we'll link to your show and your website and stuff in our show notes so people Love can it. find out more about you. If you're ever in the Huntsville area, uh, give us a holler, man, and we'll we'll bring some people out to hear you because I know you you travel all over and, and speak. I know I know you've you've spoken down in Talladega a few times, so oh, yeah. um, I know all that stuff's you know been uh, thrown up in the air with a bunch of question marks with COVID and stuff. But holler Great. at us anytime you're you're nearby. So absolutely. Uh, well, we'll be, we'll be back next week. Sam and I will. We'll take a look at Matthew chapter 18, the famous uh, verse where Jesus says, where two or more are gathered, there I am. We'll talk about what he's really talking about there and what it means. Uh, but as for today, we're going to put a bow on this one. Sam and Chad, thank you guys so much for being with us. Thank you so if much. You, yeah, if you're out Thanks. there and you if you like this, uh, share uh, on social media. Give, give us uh, a review or uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Check our show notes for additional content. Like I said, links to Chad and links to other things that we talked about uh, earlier um, earlier in the podcast. And then special thanks uh, to Ellen Christian, who designed our podcast logo, and to Patrick Chester, who's doing our sound editing and engineering. And if there's any way that you would like to help with this, reach out to Sam or I and let us know. So that's all I got. Guys, again, thank you so much. And for everyone else out there, we will see you next week. Sorry, guys. Okay. We'll cut this. Patrick, cut this.